0: Welcome to Questions About Heaven, a podcast about giving Bible answers to our questions about the afterlife with God. Each week, we seek to answer real-life questions with biblical answers about the life beyond this world. Now, here's your host, Brad Zockel. Wonderful day to you. Hey, how you doing? This is Brad Zockel. You're listening to the Questions About Heaven podcast This is the Revelation edition as we're going through the book of Revelation. And would you know it, we're already in the Armageddon chapter. This is uh, Revelation chapter 19, as you may have been following us. And if you haven't, if you'd like to go through, we have dedicated in our ministry to going verse by verse all the way from Revelation chapter 1 and verse 1. And here we are in Revelation chapter 19, and we're starting in verse 14. Thank you so much for your faithfulness, for your giving, for your prayers, and for your friendship. Uh, It has just been an amazing time. I just had so much fun last year in 2023 traveling and getting to meet you face-to-face in the different friendships that I could have at the coffee houses and the different venues and the churches and the conferences last year, and I didn't know how it could get better. But even in this year, as I started my tour in the second weekend of February, and it has just been absolutely just so much fun. Amazing to be able to see the love and the concern and the care of the many believers around. I started off in Maryland and Delaware on the first weekend, the second weekend of, of uh, February, and then continued on the next weekend. I traveled down through Louisiana and into Texas, and then this past weekend I had a two-day conference, a Heaven is Home Bible Conference, including a Q&A, and that was in, uh, over in Fayetteville, Georgia, at Lisbon Baptist Church just this past week. Brian Parrish and his uh, congregation, they were so welcoming, and boy, there were so many questions we had in the evening. It is available for you to watch on their live stream, Lisbon Baptist Church, L-I-S-B-O-N, in Fayetteville, Georgia, on Facebook, and you can see the 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 live broadcast there and it was so much fun now this weekend i'm going to be flying into california i will be heading into san jose airport being picked up by some wonderful christians on friday night and then saturday i'll be meeting with a pastor in the morning time but then our first session is going to be at landmark bible church in salinas california and that's going to be at about one o'clock if you'd like information or directions please contact me through our website, and we can get you directions on going there in Salinas. And this will be at uh, just a wonderful Hispanic uh, outreach that I have with uh, the Pastor Faustino Oral. And I have been at this church, I think, a total of five, maybe six times in the past 10 years. It has just been a joy. So I'm heading back there, and then the next day, I will be in Hollister, California, which is just up the road, still in Central California, Hollister, California, and that is going to be at Calvary Baptist Church on Highland Drive, Highland Drive, Calvary Baptist Church, morning and evening, and this will also include a Q&A session as well, so I invite you to come and join us. Looking forward to that so very much, and so I hope you can make it. There. The following week, let's see, that's going to be in Mechanicsburg, Pennsylvania at Emmanuel Baptist Church for the second Heaven is Home conference. We're going to be there and enjoying that too. So I hope you can make it. That's going to be a lot of fun and a lot of information and great enjoyment as we're all together here. Now we go to Revelation chapter 19 in our series. And as you uh, know that we see the entire book of Revelation Not so much as what is going on is who is the responsible one. Who is being revealed? Not what is being revealed, but who. The word apocalypsis is the Greek word for revelation. It means the unveiling. Well, who's being unveiled? Well, obviously it's Jesus, even in Revelation chapter 1. It gives us the symbolic description of his eyes searching the hearts, eyes a flame of fire, feet that have been through tribulation, and then now will move in judgment, the feet of brass. The middle of uh, this new Christ that G- John has seen in the past in the Gospels as one that was a miracle worker and a one who was a savior, one who was crucified, and now he sees him as king of kings and lord of lords. Across his middle is a golden sash. Anytime you see gold in the Bible, that represents deity. And so we see this one, the godness of... Of this new presentation of Jesus he is indeed God he said in Revelation chapter 1 and verse 8 I am the Alpha and the Omega now this is important for us to talk about because there are many people that would find this a romantic passage here Jesus is a victor but we kind of keep it like that do we have a place where Jesus has said you know you have a lot of arguments from people Jesus is important of course He would be, you know, magnificent to us, but uh, he never said that he was God. Oh, he didn't. Well, let's take a look at the scripture on this, because as we see him in his magnificence in victory here, I think it's important we start off by looking at the important answer to the question, did Jesus ever call himself God? So I want you to think about this. God, uh, we go way back to Exodus chapter 3, and we see the burning bush. Moses is there. God is introducing himself to Moses. And we go to verse 14, where Moses is actually asking, Okay, Lord, what is your name? What is your formal name? And here is what God responds uh, in that way, what God says in his response. God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you're to say to the Israelites. I am I am. Has sent me to you and this is the special name the high and sacred name for God is I am this is a name that is the most intimate one for the Lord and so we see that this has been recognized for generations as the name all right so now we go down and we take a look in John chapter eight for example and John is talk uh, John is giving this revelation uh this revealing of a narrative about Jesus being confronted. And there's a question about how is Jesus able to do these supernatural things? And when he starts talking, he says, I'm not seeking glory for myself, but there is one who seeks it. He is the judge. I tell you the truth. If anybody keeps my word, he will never see death. That's a pretty bombastic statement. John chapter 8 verses 49 through 58 is where I'm speaking. The Jews said, "'Now we know that you're demon-possessed. Abraham died, and so did the prophets. But you're saying if anybody keeps your word, he'll never taste death. Are you greater than our father Abraham? He died. So did the prophets. Who do you think you are?' Jesus replies, "'If I glorify myself, my glory means nothing. My father, who you claim is your God, is the one who glorifies me. Though you do not know him, I know him. If I said I did not, I would be a liar like you. But I do know him, and I keep his word.' Your father Abraham rejoiced at the thought of seeing my day. He saw it and was glad. You are not yet 50 years old, the Jews said to him. And you have seen Abraham? I tell you, Jesus responded. I tell you the truth, Jesus answered. Before Abraham was, I am. Or if you want to put it this way, before Abraham was born, I am. Now, when he says this, he gives him that title of I am. And do you know why we know that he was using this? It was a, m- a mistake. In verse 59, at this, they picked up stones to stone him. Jesus hid himself, slipping away from the temple grounds. Because of that, they said this. He was saying that he was the I am. When we take a look, does Jesus say he is God? Jesus says in Revelation one eight, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning of the end the first and the last, absolutely. When he says in John chapter 10 and verse 30, I and the Father are one, he's not just saying we're on the same wavelength of intellect. The Jews who heard that went over and they picked up stones to stone him. And we know this because there was, when when they did this, they responded. Jesus says, well, so what are you doing? Verse 33, this is for blasphemy. You think back in Leviticus chapter 24, it tells us that the, the the penalty for blasphemy, if you blaspheme the name of the Lord, you shall surely be put to death. All the congregation shall stone him, the sojourner as well as the native, when he blasphemes the name, Hashem, He shall be put to death. So what did he say here? For blasphemy, verse 33, because you, a mere man, claim to be God. Jesus openly said that. John 8, 58, John chapter 10, we're seeing this. John chapter 20, when Thomas realizes who this is, he calls out, my Lord and my God. Jesus does not correct him. Jesus allows him to do this. But also remember, John is not exclusive to this. In Matthew chapter 14, whenever Jesus was walking on the water, what did the disciples do? Well, they worshiped him. They worshiped him. And we see many other passages when we take a look at that of the resurrection, Matthew chapter 28, they worshiped him. Okay, worship only goes to the Lord. So when we see this, we're taking a look at this truth of Jesus, this one, who is indeed the one who is in the position to take on the enemy at this situation that we read in Revelation chapter 19 and verse 14. And the armies of heaven, arrayed in fine linen, white and pure, were following him on white horses. From his mouth, verse 15, comes a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations. Ethnos is the word, the peoples, the rebellious ones. And he will rule them with a rod of iron. He will tread the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God the Almighty. On his robe and on his thigh, he has a name written, king of kings and lord of lords. We see the identification and the armies here. He will strike the nations. This word is very explicit. It means slaying the nations, giving a fatal blow to the nations And on there. And when it says this, this is used in the context that Jesus is going against the nations, the people groups, that would deny him as well. But why the sword? Is there a literal sword that's going to sweep like a lawnmower and mow them down? Well, you want to think about this. When we take a look at Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 12, it says, it gives you the parallel. The Word of God, it says, is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword. Piercing as far as the division of the soul and spirit of both joints and marrow, able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. You are seeing God's word is what is coming out of the mouth. The power of the word would be that which is going to slay them. This is a figurative uh, presentation here. When we see this, we see we're reminded that the sword of the Spirit, Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 17, is the word of God, and that's what's causing this destruction. I think way back in Isaiah, we've talked about Isaiah chapter 11, when we talked about the presentation of the seven characteristics of the Holy Spirit. We continue on past verse 2, and we see that in talking about the Lord in this prophetic passage, it says, but with righteousness, he will judge the poor and will decide with fairness for the afflicted of the earth, and he will strike the earth with the rod of his mouth, and with the breath of his lips he will slay the wicked. Isaiah 49 and verse 2 says, He has made my mouth in the prophecy, my mouth, the Lord's mouth, a sharp sword. In the shadow of his hand, he's concealed me. He's made it the sharpness of destruction, coming from the words that he has here. And when we see this, we were reminded that he is not taking a literal sword and swinging it. It is in destruction by his words. The words that created the universe are the words that will destroy the wicked and then create the new earth surrounded by the new heavens. It also says here, in which he strikes down the nations, he will rule them with a rod of iron. And when we take that word and we're looking at the ruling here, this is talking about the leadership, the authorities over him. He shall rule them. And when we see this, we're looking at the, the the shepherd, we're looking at the lamb, as it says, the lamb who is gentle toward us, but destructive toward them. Think about it. The lamb was the one who took control of the universe in Revelation chapter 5. It's saying he's the lamb. We don't think about that, uh, a lamb being one of uh, of power. We think of a meek one that would, as we see, the Lamb of God which takes away the sin of the world, the, the the sacrificial lamb. But that title stays on in a place of victory. Think about it. Lest we just leave him as just in the the manger, we're reminded in Psalm 110, verses 1 and 2. The Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand till I make your enemies your footstool. Yahweh shall send the rod of your strength out of Zion. Rule in the midst of of your enemies. In this time, he will be over them. He will rule them. And in that word, poimain is the word for shepherd. And this is the verb uh, attachment to that too. Uh, In poimain, you're talking about tending, but this would be with a rod of iron. This would be with the authority that will not be challenged here. It tells us in here if you remember this in Psalm cha- in the second psalm, the second psalm. We don't call them chapters, they are just psalms. We don't say hymn chapter number 22. We say hymn number 22. Psalm 2, you shall break them with a rod of iron, you will shatter them like earth and We're not talking about a gentle Jesus toward all or a, a haphazard use of justice. He is true his name is faithful and true, and what he says is going to happen here. Now, when we take a look at this, we continue down through the verse here, and it says, He will tread the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God, the Almighty. When we see that he is going to take judgment, we're reminded of what his feet were in Revelation chapter 1, feet of brass stomping at strong metal, it's talking about one that is not just gently tiptoeing around or meekly just meandering. This is, you mean, think about it when we talk about this. The wine press, what is that about? We go through, and in my classes at teaching at the university and also teaching in the College Prep Academy, I would show pictures on the PowerPoint of the wine presses of the day. Some have been reserved because they were made in stone. And the people would get in, and they would either put a board on top and press down as they walked, or their feet, their cleansed feet, they would just move That squeeze it down so hard that the the must, M-U-S-T, would stay, the, the, the skins. But the juice would come out through a spigot and drop into a lower bucket. There was no violence on the part of the grapes, no resistance on the part of the grapes. And that is the parallel here. When we go against God, he is going to win. When the rebellious go against the Lord, they cannot win. They can, oh, they may flourish on the vine as a grape would for a while, enjoy the sun, be collected with others, and feel that in unity they are strong, but even in the massive amount, this is why when one young man told me one time, he says, you know that we non-believers will outnumber you, and I said, you already do, but as in Kings as it said, there were just a remnant that would not bow their knee to anyone else. But the Lord. They would only bow to the Lord. And yet, we look now, the belief in Yahweh, the victory that God had, has continued all these years. I said, You're looking at this like an election, like some sort of an American voting process. Who has more will win. I said, That's never been so. We've always been in the minority, but. Does this mean because you have larger numbers, you'll win? Just as the grapes will have larger numbers if you count individually against the, those who stomp the wine press, This doesn't mean that they're going to overcome. And that's what it's talking about here. When we see this, we see that he himself treads the winepress. And we see this, we are talking about a complete victory. When we take a look at this, it is why of the fierceness and the wrath of God the Almighty. When we see this, this tells you of both sides of anger. Very curious. Thumos is one word, and that is the fierceness. And that's talking about an explosive. Think of dynamite or a shotgun blast. It is destructive. It's shorter. It doesn't take time. It's immediate. Then you have orges. And that's talking about a simmering pot of boiling water. You're simmering, and I have friends who were pretty even-tempered for a while, but something pushes them and pushes them and pushes them. Then they're going to build up an anger, and there will be a a, a judgment, there will be a reaction to something, that's Orges. These are both. When we see this, this is talking about the combined angers of God That will be complete. And then the destruction, the fierceness of the wrath is what one uh, particular uh, uh, translation says. And that wouldn't be bad to use too. When we see this, let me take a look at the time and see if I'm going over time here before I move on. I want to be respectful of your time. Oops, I see I've already gone almost to 20 minutes. So I'm going to stop here and continue on in our next podcast as we continue through the Book of Revelation in talking about this Lord Jesus Christ, the one who is God, who also carries the fierceness and the wrath of God against the rebellious. There is no coming back. There is no time out. There is no do over. This is very important that we understand the justice of the Lord is being enacted right now. Thank you so much, friends, for listening, for uh, just being very diligent in learning and growing. Please write me if you have a question. Brad at HeavenTour.com, Brad at theheventour.com. And I would be most glad to help you any way that I can. God bless you. Take care. And we'll talk soon. In order for the Heaven Tour to continue fulfilling our mission, we humbly ask for your support. Your generosity allows us to continue to proclaim and explain the biblical truth of heaven and to mentor many. All eligible donations are tax deductible, so please prayerfully consider an end-of-year gift. You can send your gift to The Heaven Tour, P.O. Box 795 Pickens, South Carolina 29671. Thank you and have a blessed Thanksgiving.